90.3 FM KEXP and online at KEXP.org. My name is Morgan, down in the live room with one of our very favorite bands here at KEXP, Not A Surf. Welcome, everybody. Thank you. Hi. If you would have told me 15 years ago that I'd be in this room with you now playing the entire album, Let Go, all the way through, I would have lost my mind. So I'm very excited to be here today. We're so happy that you're here celebrating the 15th anniversary of Let Go, and we would love to hear it. Here we go. The first song is called Blizzard of 77. In the blizzard of 77 The cars were just lumps on the snow And then later, tripping in 7-Eleven Shells were stretching out of control On a plane ride The more it shakes The more I have to let go Now the signals Still getting all mixed up We're always doing damage control But in the middle of the night I worry It's blurry even without light In the middle of the night I worry Blurry even without light I, I, I know I have got a negative edge That's why I sharpen all the others a lot It's like flowers, ladybugs Pretty weeds or red beetles with dots But in the middle of the night I worry Blurry even without light in the middle of the night. I worry. It's blurry even without light. I, I, I miss you more than I knew. I miss you more than I knew. I miss you more than I knew Too much sun or too much snow I get slow 
Not a Surf live on KEXP, celebrating the 15th anniversary of the album Let Go, playing the entire album live here on KEXP. Of 
have some food wrapped up in a plastic bag on the kitchen table way too long sat down to eat next to the bag I was too tired to throw it out I saw a swarm of fruit flies I took the bag downstairs when I came back they were still there Flying jerky patterns like Snowflakes in the air I'm sorry You've got nowhere to go I'm sorry You've got nowhere to go
Not A Surf Live on KEXP, celebrating the 15th anniversary of the album Let Go by playing the entire album all the way through. And a new covers album called Standing at the Gates, the song Songs of Not A Surf's Let Go is available now, all proceeds of which go to benefit the ACLU and Pavlov Foundation. Very, very cool. Oh uh-huh. 
Not a Surf Live on KEXP, playing the entire album Let Go all the way through, celebrating the 15th anniversary of the album's release.
c'est des salauds, mais peut-être pas tous. Remplis ton verre et à nos amours. Oh, yeah. 
traces when you walk Treading water, treading white wine Seeing borders, seeing straight lines I get these feelings that I don't have much time Always rushing, always late Always rushing, always late, always late, always late. I'm always rushing, always late, I'm always late, I'm always late, I'm always late. Always Not a Surf live on KEXP, playing the entire album Let Go in celebration of the 15th anniversary of its release here on KEXP. Planet every time I look 
try to relax and slow my heartbeat only works when I'm dead asleep. I've been thinking and drinking all over the town.
Not A Surf live here on KEXP, playing the entire album Let Go, celebrating the 15th anniversary. And uh, that album sounding so good all the way through here in the KEXP studios. Still sounds as fresh as it did when it came out back in the fall of 2002. Thank you so much for being here today. Oh, man. Well, thank you for, thanks for having us and thanks for the support over the years. Uh, I think KEXP meant a lot to us, so, so it's really... It's always a pleasure to come back. Yeah, we love having yeah. you. And uh, it's so nice to be celebrating this album. So this was your third album, but to the general public, it felt like the second album as your, as your second album uh, right. was yeah. shelved at the time. And it, and it sort of was um, a new beginning yeah. from uh, High Low, which came out in 1996. Can you kind of set the stage of where you were at that time that you were writing the album, what was going on with you guys, and, and how the album ended up coming together? Well, we... You know, we'd been in a... Daniel and I had been in a couple of bands before, and, and the one we were in just before this was pretty ambitious. And, you know, we were in New York and trying to, trying to get a record contract. And, and at a certain point, it wasn't fun anymore. And um, we formed this band just to have a good time. And we got jobs we liked, and, you know, we were feeling good and balanced in life, and everything was cool. Um, but weirdly, as soon as we stopped trying things started happening for us. And then it, then it got kind of quick. And then we were really busy for a while. Um, and then when, uh, when the proximity effect didn't come out, um, we were all of a sudden back to real life, but all of a sudden with a band that might do something. And so I, I just was working in a record store and not thinking about grad school or any, any next step, just hanging out. And so it was a long, slow process of just working on music when we felt like it and it was yeah, a really nice time. And we didn't want to... It just felt like a jib to, to the band itself to, to put out um, a third album before we could put out the, the second one because mm. we really worked hard on it and, mm. and, and we recorded it with some really talented people uh, in Los Angeles and we just, we just felt like we owed it to our fans and, and to the band and to all the people that worked on The Proximity Effect to wait, and, and, to wait it out and, and put it out. And we did, you know. I mean, there came a point where Electro was trying so hard to atrophy the band, but they just couldn't because we just kept playing together and, and kept just writing, thinking that, you know, eventually we'll put out a third album. Yeah. yeah. Did you have sort of a, a battle with Electra during the, the recording of that second album? Uh, no, they, they were just... Kind of. Yeah. No, I mean, they, they, were, they were just paying the kind of attention and, and making the kind of statements that you don't really hear in most other situations where, like... You know, if there's no single, we're just going to be dying on the vine out there. Like, you know, the, the A&R guy would call me pretty regularly and and uh, complain. But you could tell that it was a oh, super toxic. It was a super toxic relationship anyway, because yeah. they, even though they kept saying they're like, "Yeah, we're in here for the band development," blah blah, it was all total crap. Oh. They, you know, they were pushing us to put the album out as as quickly as possible. To which Matthew was like, "You know, no one's going to remember whether the album came out in February or or September. We, you know, we don't want to." we're not ready to record the second album, you know, which is obviously true. I mean, because we always thought about stuff in the long term. And then just lots of different things, you know, they, 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 just, they just didn't want us for who we were, and, and, and it's just none of their business. I mean, even things like, for example, they wanted us to spend a lot of money recording. And the reasoning behind that being that if they don't spend a lot of money on the band, then they're not going to work the band because they don't need to make back so much of an investment. I mean, that's just, what a load of, you know, that's exactly the kind of label you don't want. It's a know? little scammy, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's just cheesy. Mm -hmm. so Sleazy. Reminds me of Trump. 
<laughs> Things are better now. Yeah. And uh, when you started writing the songs for Let Go, did you think that you were going to be writing an album or did those songs just sort of come naturally and an album ended up coming together? Oh, I don't know. You know, I think I wasn't really thinking about it, but if you'd been there to ask me the question then, I would have said, yeah, it'll be a record eventually. Mm -hmm. um, but we were just, uh, yeah, just doing it as it, as it came. Yeah. You know? Uh, to me, I feel like the first half of the record um, feels a little nostalgic. Like mm. you, you're mm -hmm. thinking back on things you loved when you were a kid, and then the second yeah. half of the record is feels more like what you're going through at the time. Uh, is there an overarching theme to the record? No, uh, not not really. Except that you just said it. You know, it's probably nailed it's it. probably that. Yeah, nailed it. <laughs> um, there was no plan about side one or side two or anything. It's that's cool that it if it appears that way, that's great. Um, but yeah, I, you know, it's a lot of happy, sad stuff. You know, you, you look back wistfully, you look forward hopefully and, and, um, try not to get too, too hung up on things, but, but not getting hung up on things is like a, a life, uh, endeavor, you know? Yeah, there's, de and there's definitely so that to it. I mean, we were, we were in such a vacuum. We didn't, we didn't have to answer to anybody, um, and we were going to, you know, make this album pretty much on our own. I mean, with the help of our of our producers, but but just without a record label, you know, no manager to answer to, nobody except to thinking about our fans that you know eventually might hear it, and just making ourselves happy. We it was kind of we were very free, you know. Mm -hmm. You had mentioned um, after playing Blonde on Blonde earlier that that was the first time you had played all the way through was the recording. Yeah. Did you do that with a lot of songs on the on the record? No, no, we we. We practiced a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. The, the opposite of that one, I think, would be Inside of Love, which we did in maybe like five or six different ways. And we were, we were down in Venice Beach recording, and, and the people, the, these kids from, from the, the Los Angeles Film School um, wanted desperately to do a video for that song. And so that was the first one we had to, you know, really get together because we, you know, they had to start working on it, or they were ready. They had a script. They had, they had all the production was ready, and we were we just kept changing the song, playing it one way and then the other. But uh, yeah. So it was like a forced single because of that, because of the video. Kind of deadlines are good, right? I mean, it was yeah. just a, it was a healthy. Yeah, we, uh, bit we of certainly did not have money to do any other video. I mean, they paid for everything, including the rapping party. Yeah. And I cooked, but. <laughs> that was nice of you. Yeah. <laughs> so you ended up going with Barsook mm -hmm. um, for the U.S. release back in 2002 for Let Go. And yeah. they were a fairly new label at the time, of course, based here yeah. in Seattle. Um, and they're celebrating their 20th anniversary yeah. this year. Amazing. You're celebrating 15 for Let Go. Yeah. So you sort of came up together. How did you end up working with Barsook? Well, the first, th they were first on my radar because I'd heard of Death Cab for Cutie and I went to see them. Um, at Brownies in New York, and I bought uh, a CD. And it's such a tiny thing to say, but I, I really like the cover design, and I like the I like the Barsoup logo, and I like the the font that was on the back. There was something uh, aesthetically really calling out to me. Um, and then um, uh, a lovely person here in Seattle called Barbara Mitchell, um, who I'd met uh, at Guitar World because I used to be a writer at Guitar World. And she was a publicist, and um, she sent me their way. And also, we took uh, um, Rilo Kylie out on tour, who were on Barsuk at the time. So uh, I started to talk to Josh a lot, and and um, Josh Rosenfeld, the Barsuk owner, and um, you know, just a really great guy. And I got a feeling from him of, of the sort of philosophy of the label, and 
and just a kind, cool place where people are rational and, you know, uh, it's very welcoming. And he was very patient, you know, because we didn't know what we were going to do, and so we were kind of hunting around. And um, he just hung in there and, uh, and gave us a lot of great advice about the record. It was really, like, before signing us, was kind of in an A&R role, you know, editorial role. Um, we just, uh, we were immediately happy, because the thing is, as Daniel was saying, we've had some Rocky Record Company stuff, and but once once that's gone and you're just with people you really like, the air is all of a sudden lighter and and clearer. Yeah. Um, and it's been like that ever since, so it's it's been really a great experience. Good. Yeah, yeah. they're a very unique label. They yeah. like you were saying, they have a really good aesthetic visually, mm -hmm. um, but then also the roster of bands they put together, like yeah. it all makes sense. Which bands? Are all on that label, like yeah. you all fit together very well. Yeah, 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 great. Um, so you've been touring for the past few months on Let Go, doing the entire record all the way through. Yeah. Uh, does it really bring you back to the feeling of that time, or does it feel like another life ago when you're playing this record in the order that it's meant to be heard? It's kind of dipping in and out of it. You know, we've played a lot of songs from Let Go always since that record, um, but it's pretty cool to play them in order, and it, it does. Yeah, I mean, it brings me back to to Brooklyn and, and uh, a certain period in our life. And, you know, um, it was very free. Yeah. So, yeah, it feels good. How did you end up coming to the conclusion that you'd be doing this tour? It was our manager's idea. I think, I think all, all uh, anniversary tours are manager's ideas, but it's a wonderful <laughs> case. It's, it's not, a band's just not going to think of it, you yeah. know. But it's totally win-win because we love it. We're really enjoying it. And... Uh, so it's a case when there's not at all, you know, we're not on opposite sides of a, of a tennis court lobbing ideas back and forth. It's just a good, it was a good idea, you know? Yeah. I'm and so the, psyched to do it. There's a lot of interesting things that we hadn't really thought about. I mean, opening for yourself is kind of really strange. <laughs> yeah. But it's also really cool because you don't have to move anything. You know, you just leave everything right. the way it is, which is just so nice. Yeah. And, then, and then the first set, like, there's no surprise. You're just doing this and it's, you know the beginning, you know the end, and so does the audience. Mm -hmm. So then when we come back out, and do the second set, then we're just, we try to be the opposite, just try to throw in like stuff from left field and just, and then, and it's just kind of crazy and wilder and it's really a lot of fun. And, and it's, I think it's been really good for us. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I had to listen to the album again and kind of relearn it because we, we, after playing it for so many years, we just played our live version, which always kept changing. Mm -hmm. And to go back to the way we did it on Let Go, we had to, I mean, I literally had to like listen to it again and be like, oh, wow, really, sure. we played it like that, wow. So it's cool. It's definitely been really fun. Yeah. I was going to say, so you're, you're playing really long sets. You take a break mm -hmm. in between, of course, but how has it been doing those, those like three-hour-long shows every night? Yeah, it's great. You know, yeah. It's nice to take a break. Um, after that hour, we, we take a 20-minute break, and that's just good for people. You don't want to stand in one place all that time. Yeah. There isn't that, a, you know, restaurants, when they have that soft flooring mm -hmm. behind the counter. We, for shins We should get that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There should be that at, at this show and at Springsteen shows. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask, you uh, were working at Earwax at the time uh -huh. that you were recording this album. Yeah. I worked in record stores, and I have very vivid memories of the albums that came out during that time. Oh, yeah. What albums were you listening to at the record store? That So the first couple of White Stripes records came out, and uh, I'm not answering the question of what was I listening to, but what was, uh, what was, playing at what the was store? a really big deal and yeah. what people were buying constantly. It yeah. was just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. um, that, Calexico... Um, Serge Gainsbourg comic strip, I guess, maybe was a, a reissue that had come out recently. You know in High Fidelity when they play, like, a beta band record and, and say, check out how many copies we're going to sell? At, at Earwax, it was Serge Gainsbourg. You put that on and 
you just sell five of them in 10 minutes. Awesome. You know? Yeah. John Spencer, I think, was doing quite well. Yeah, right. Extra width. Oh, orange. Yeah, that was around that. Early, uh, that first um, Strokes EP. First Strokes EP was flying off the shelf. Mm-hmm. Oh, really is quick. this it? That e- album? No. Or no, um, that came EP. out later. The EP. I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Did any of those records that you were listening to at the time influence Let Go or? Well, I think we just, we just come off a period of um, listening to a lot of Elliot Smith records and we just toured with him right before, mm. um, for a week right before that. And that was just a, that was one of those bands that was like a really common big influence. Um, Chavez was always a big deal. Yeah, we're crazy about um, Chavez. I don't know if that Granddaddy record came out right before. Oh, someday. So- Software Slump. Oh, Software. Yeah. Or, I, I don't know yeah. if that was. No, that I don't was know if that was concurrent. Maybe it was a bit after. I'm not that. sure. Yeah, yeah. I want to say that came out at the same time. Yeah, maybe. So, yeah. around the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think someday came out in 2003. Mm-hmm. So that was right before that. Yeah. yeah. That's right. <laughs> for for for. Um, for for let go, um, I was going berserk, playing, learning every single bass note on how it feels to be something on by Sunny Day Real oh, Estate. Oh yeah, yeah, and I think that um, Killian's Red is a d- direct, right. yeah. you know, descendant of that that album. Oh man, now that you say that, I totally hear that. That's yeah. amazing. I actually just played that um, so- a song from that album the other day because we're doing the sub pop count up. Have you heard mm-hmm. that we're doing that? We're playing every single catalog number <gasps> in the sub pop catalog. This, awesome. And I just yeah. played a song from that album right. the other day. That's yeah, that's amazing that you just said that. Um, so to go along with the tour, you've also released uh, an album of covers mm-hmm. of the entire album of Let Go called Standing at the Gates, the songs of Not A Surf's Let Go. Tons of bands on here. Rogue Wave, Long Winters, uh, Adia Victoria, Eyelids. How did you um, end up coming up with this covers album idea? And did you pick the bands who ended up doing the covers? So, um, <laughs> again, it was our manager. <laughs> and we immediately said no. He proposed doing that. And we said no because we were kind of bristling at the idea of like organizing our own um, covers album. Uh, being careful to steer away from the word tribute. You know, just felt a little right. weird to do something like that yourself. But, um, but he told us it would be charity. And, and once we, you know, thought, A, giving money to the ACLU seems like a great idea. And Pablo, uh, who helped uh, kids with cancer. But, but then also once... Once it was okay to think about it, then the idea of these bands doing the songs was really exciting. We didn't pick that many of them. Um, my, my condition at first was that I didn't want to ask anybody personally, mm-hmm. um, which I broke because I, I asked Amy Mann um, to well, do it. Well, why wouldn't you? Yeah. It's um, Amy Mann. <laughs> but, it, but it's all been really great. The first one we heard was Ron, Ron Gallo doing Happy Kid, and I was just knocked out. It really sounds like he, like, like he wrote it. You know, mm-hmm. it's amazing. So it's been a total thrill to hear these versions. And there's another one. There's a there's an all-Spanish version. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. Is that out yet? Uh, it is out in, in Spain. Yeah. Oh, it's nice. all Spanish bands. And it's doing quite yeah. well, too. Yeah. I mean, that's that's just such a big hats off. To, uh, yeah, it's exciting. I couldn't believe the bands are in it. It's like all the really awesome Spanish bands are in it. And, and it, it sort of came about because we already had all the songs covered in the States pretty much. And, and, and I know a bunch of bands were like, can we get on that? Can we get on that? And so many bands wanted to get on it. And we thought, well, why don't we, if they want to do it, let's organize a Spanish one. And so our booking agent in, in Spain, Carlos, um, organized that. And he, it, you know, it's a lot of work to put together a whole album and get all the bands, the logistics and blah, blah. But it's really amazing. A lot of the most amazing compliment is the fact that they, they most bands... Um, translated the lyrics to Spanish, which is so difficult to do. 
um, translating. We've had to translate several songs to French, and it's it ain't easy. Matthew's mom had to help us. Right. Oh yeah. Right. Did you did you write La Porsa by yourself? Yeah, I just we 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 did this crazy tour in in France um, where we did a whole month in France, and instead of doing it the regular way in a tour bus or whatever, we did so many so many dates. We toured more like a French band would tour, mm-hmm. which really helped us, you know sort of make a make a, a big statement in France um and and I you was so immersed in France in, yeah. in French that that I was just start, really starting to think in French and blah, blah blah and I just kept in my songbook I kept writing these amazing French expressions they just have the best expressions and and sometimes I don't even know what they mean so I'd have to write them down and I just had this whole collection of crazy it's like almost like the song just wrote itself mm-hmm. Matthew had this great little line and it was actually kind of on the easy side What's your favorite French expression that doesn't translate well to English? Mm-hmm. Oh, dear, there's got to be so many. Oh. I, I have one. Okay. <laughs> Tomber dans les pommes, to fall in the apples. To fall in the apples, yeah. It means, it means to pass out. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> you drank too much cider and I right. don't know. Maybe. I have no idea where it came from. I bought Ira a book for your, was it your birthday or Christmas. It was a, a slim volume that was all oh, euf- yeah. euphemisms for being drunk. Yeah, it was like, like 6,000 variations <laughs> it's on like, amazing. words that mean. And there's so many opposites, like being tight is being drunk, being loose is being drunk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> In yeah. your cups. That's weird. Yeah. What's your favorite French phrase? You had one. Oh, um... Well, l'esprit de l'escalier is the spirit of the stairs. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that you think of to say after you've left the, let's say, apartment on the third floor where you were having a conflict with someone. And as you're walking down the stairs, you're like, ah, man, that's what I should have said. And that's the spirit of the stairs. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. And a a pet name they use is mon petit pouce, right? Is that flea, my little flea? Oh, yeah, ma petite pouce. I just think that's funny to call people a flea. (laughs) so um 15 years later how do you think the music industry is different now than it was when you released let go and has your um the way that you write albums or release albums has that changed um that hasn't changed um but the way things have changed I'm, i'm not sure i mean so many people are probably writing really incisive articles about what's happening but um it's probably easier to be in a band, it's easier to find an audience and get to know them personally and add them, add fans one by one. But um, but there are a lot more of them, so I don't know. I think it's always it's always a good. I always think not just in terms of playing in a band, but but as a listener, it's always a golden age, constantly mm. for somebody, and in some way. And if and if you don't consider it a golden age now, maybe in a few years you'll look back and realize that it was. You know, I think it's always. There are opportunities are always there, and and you can always play for somebody, and that's that's a great part of it. And uh, and also just going to band practice is, you know, once you get a song right the first time and play it, that's that's just about the biggest rush of all, and that never goes away. Cool. Yeah. Anyone else? I didn't answer a question, but no, I love that answer. <laughs> that yeah, I don't have one. that made me really think about yeah, it's golden age for someone. Depends yeah. on what genre you're into, yeah. or even uh, with reissues. Yeah. Even if the the record doesn't hit now, it might hit later. Yeah, that's right. It might be really influential, yeah, like Serge right. Gainsbourg in, right. in the right. States, for example. Yeah. Um, and then one other thing I want to know. Are you working on a new album? Yeah. Um, that's all I got. Details? Yes. No? No details. Just working. Any, uh, okay. 
No, got no, no timing. All right, no, no timing. Got no overarching Let's theme. Play, let's play the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. All right so we're right. gonna play the whole thing now. <laughs> no, but just so you guys know, I just had a, I just had a, a, a three-minute talk with John Goodmanson, who wants to come to Ibiza and build a studio in my house. Oh wow! Oh, so go. the new record might be produced at your house, is what yeah. you're saying? And if he builds a studio, you might as well. Record it. There you go. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Not a surf. Thank you so much for being with us today. We appreciate you always coming back and playing for us. And I want to say a big thank you to the donors standing here. It is because of your support that we're able to have in studios like Not a Surf playing the entire album of Let Go. So thank you so much for your support. And keep it tuned right here to the station where the music matters. 90.3 FM, KEXP, Seattle.